Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. are a guest with us this morning. We are so thankful that you have made the choice this morning to come out and worship Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with us here at Greensburg Baptist Church. And I want to let you know, if while you're here, you have any questions at all about the ministries that occur here at Greensburg Baptist Church, or if you have a question about your relationship with Christ, I want you to know that Brother Blake and I would absolutely love to talk with you. I also want to extend a welcome this morning to our radio audience and to all those who are joining us by technology. We are thankful that you are in our congregation this morning as well. And I want you to know, as the broadcast ends today, you will either see or hear instructions of exactly how to contact us if you have questions of a spiritual nature. And we encourage you to reach out. We would absolutely love to speak with you. All right, with that said, we are going to be continuing the Invisible God Sermon Series this morning. This is sermon number two of a three-part series. And the verse that this particular sermon series stemmed from is Colossians 1.15 that says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now this morning... We're going to begin by reading the text, and I'm even going to go back. Even though we're going to be concentrating only on three verses this morning, I'm going to go back and read the entire text so we can all start at the same place. Once again, I'm going to be preaching this morning out of the CSB version of the Bible. Uh, and if you do have your copy of God's Word with you, I would encourage you to open your Bible to Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 15. And as always, when I, when I read God's Word, I ask you if you're physically Would you stand with us, please, to honor the reading of God's Word? Verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1. He, and we're referring to Jesus Christ here, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Verse 18, he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now here's where our new scripture begins this morning. That we're, the three verses that we're going to be concentrating on. Verse 21. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. And I, Paul, have become a servant of it. You may be seated. 
All right, now since it has been basically a month since I preached the first sermon in this series, I'm going to take just a few minutes and review where we came from last time. And I just wanted to start with some important background information on the book of Colossians. It's possibly the first of Paul's prison epistles. That's right, he wrote it while he was in prison. And I think I remember asking the question last time, if we should find ourselves in prison... Would we likely use our time to encourage others? That's what Paul was doing here with this particular letter. Because who he was writing this letter to, he had not visited before. He had not met these people. But he was writing this letter for the purpose of encouraging a group of believers who were growing spiritually. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Who, in your daily walk with Jesus, have you observed that is growing spiritually? Who is that? And question number two is, what are you doing to encourage those people? Encouragement is important. When you see somebody who is growing in their walk with the Lord, it's important that seasoned believers reach out and encourage them. So I want you to be thinking, who is it? Who do I see Christ at work in? And what can I do to encourage them? And then finally, this letter was written to warn this group of believers Because they were being confronted with false teaching. And that false teaching was undermining the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. False teaching is a big deal. It always has been. These particular people were hearing things like, Yeah, you do need Jesus for salvation, but you also need Jesus plus something. Maybe it's Jesus plus works. Maybe it's Jesus plus observing some law. Maybe it's Jesus plus performing some ritual. Paul was telling them, it's not Jesus plus anything. It's just Jesus. And that's exactly the way it is today. It's only Jesus. Many times you hear Brother Blake and I both challenge you to take what you are hearing preached and compare it to your Bible to make sure that what we're telling you is true. You have that responsibility. No matter who you hear preach, be certain that it's sound and biblical teaching and preaching. That is a responsibility that you simply cannot take lightly. Now, the last time in sermon number one, I I put this chart up on the board. Now, what this represents, it's a list of activities that people are involved in. This is not your list, but you do have a list. Everybody has a list. For some of you, your list doesn't have this many things on it. For some of you, your list has got a lot more than this on it. But the point of this is, where is Jesus on your list? Where exactly do you have Jesus on your list? And it's very easy to say, Jesus is in first place in my life. And I hope He is. But you know whether or not He truly is in first place In your life. Now, as I was preparing for today, one of my friends on Facebook, Paul Ballard, posted this quote. It was actually from his sermon last Sunday. And it's, I I reached out to him and asked him if it would be okay if I quoted him. And he said, use it. You don't even have to quote me, but I, I want to. The things many of us are most passionate about now will not even exist in eternity. 
the things that many of us are the most passionate about now will not even not, not even exist in eternity. So what types of things are we spending our time on? Is Jesus in first place in our lives? Now, last time, a lot of the sermon focused on verse 18, where we were trying to figure out, does he truly have first place in everything? And as we've just been alluding to, does he have first place in your time? Either yes or no. He's he's not satisfied being first runner-up. Does he have first place in your finances? Remember, I shared with you last time that based on years of financial experience, I've had many conversations with people that say something like this, I would love to be able to give sacrificially, but I just can't afford to. And as I told you last time, I can tell you from personal experience, you cannot afford not to. You cannot afford not to. There is no way that you can outgive Jesus. It is simply not possible. In addition, he is not pleased with thinking of, I'm going to pay all my bills and whatever's left I'll give to Jesus. That type of thought process does not bring glory to him. So I wonder this morning, does he have first place in your finances? And again, the answer is yes or no. He either does or he doesn't. And then as I close the last sermon, I just simply ask you to evaluate your life and to see what place that Jesus is truly in. So that brings us to today, and we're going to start looking at verse 21. Like I said, we're only looking at three verses this morning. But as we start to look at verse 21, I want to make sure that you get that what Paul begins to do here, he is starting to apply the work of Christ to the church at Colossae. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, and I hope you are, I want you to jot down Ephesians chapter 2, verses one through 11. We don't have time to go there today, but if you will read that this afternoon or if you will read that sometime this week, you're going to see a lot of similar phrases in what Paul writes in Ephesians and what he's writing here in Colossians. But he begins to apply this concept of reconciliation. Now, one of the things that Paul does, I want to make sure you don't don't miss it, He starts to apply this work of Christ to the church at Colossae. He is showing them what application this has in their life. And that's a big deal. I hope you realize what a big deal that is. And I want to tell you, as Brother Blake and I prepare to preach sermons, one of the questions that we always ask ourselves is, how does this, how does this text apply to this audience? Today, You see, we don't just want you to hear a history lesson. We want you to know how God's word, how the text that we are preaching today applies to your life today. And you're going to see so many similarities in this text and how Paul was relating this to this church versus the things that we are experiencing today. It starts out with the word once. He's reminded them what their life used to be. He is taking an opportunity to remind them of their former condition. I wonder, what was your condition like for the ones of you who truly know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? 
do you remember what your former condition was like? And is there a difference? I hope you would say yes, absolutely. Now, there are three key terms in verse 21 that we've got to deal with. The first one is alienated and hostile. And again, if you're taking notes, this would be a good thing to write down. The key term number one is alienated and hostile. Paul is reminding them, he has taken this opportunity to contrast between God and those who do not do his will. Now, folks, it's one thing not to know what God's will is in your life, but it's a completely different thing to know what God's will is in your life and just choose not to do it. It's a big deal. And if we if we have things in our life like that where we know beyond a shadow of a doubt what God's will in our life is and we just simply choose not to do it, guess what? We are going to be alienated and hostile. We will have no peace in our life. But again, the good news is Paul is talking to them about their former condition. I want you to know this morning there is hope. There is hope in his name is Jesus. But again, key term number one, they were alienated and hostile. Now, key term number two is when Paul uses the word minds. Again, write this down if you're taking notes. But what I want to make sure that you get today is that what is in our mind generally is a result of what's in our heart. That's typically how it works. So if you are involved, I'm just going to give you an example. If you are involved in gossip, for example, it's a, it's a direct reflection of what's in your heart. It's a direct reflection in your heart. If you are involved in any type of sinful activity, it's a reflection of your heart. Proverbs 4.23 tells us, Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. I just want to ask you a question this morning. How, how are you guarding your hearts? You realize you need to, right? You realize you need to guard your hearts. How are you personally doing it? If you don't know, you need to figure it out. You need to figure out how you are going to personally guard your heart. Now, I'm going to tell you, many times I hear conversations, and especially read about this on Facebook. Many times people give advice like this. Just follow your heart and you'll know what to do. Just follow your heart and you will know what to do. Listen to me loud and clear this morning. There is nothing about that that would be considered sound theological advice. You better not follow your heart. Or you will end up in a mess. Look at what God's word tells us in Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? So why would we want to follow our heart? The heart is more deceitful than anything else. Folks, sometimes things that sort of sound good on the surface end up not being a good thing. And when somebody is giving you advice to follow your heart, you need not to take it. You need not to take it. You better be guarding your heart because your heart is deceitful. 
And finally, the third key term in verse 21 is evil actions. Paul says that once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, and it's expressed in your evil actions. And you know that's exactly, when we're talking about how does this text apply to us as a church today, this is exactly how it works. Because what's in our heart, especially if it's sinful, it is eventually likely to be expressed in evil actions. Now here, with this group of people, the cause of their sinfulness sinfulness was not their evil actions. Instead, their evil actions came from their sinfulness. That's how it works with us too. Whether we want to admit it or not, that is exactly how that applies in our particular life. And again, I want to warn you, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Now, when we uh, start looking at verse 22 and 23, we are switching from the former condition, how they used to be, and now we're going to look at their present condition. Paul tells them in verse 22, but now he, referring to Jesus Christ, has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. Is that not a beautiful thought? Is that not a beautiful truth? Again, how does this have application for today? It's the gospel. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can have eternal life if we choose to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and if we follow Him. You know, when we think about this, how could we ever, given our sinful nature, how could we ever be considered as being holy? How could we? We couldn't. How could we ever be considered as being faultless? We couldn't. It is not possible. How could we ever be considered blameless? We can't by ourselves. But guess what? The beauty of this is that we can through Jesus Christ. You've heard me say before so many times, I think Christians are prone to think of the cross only when Easter is approaching. And it's coming. Here in a few weeks, we will talk about the cross a lot. Christians will talk about the cross at all, a lot, because that's what Easter is focusing on. But we should be talking about the cross daily because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, because he loved us so much that he died on the cross, and because he was buried and rose again in three days. We can stand before Him as being holy, faultless, and blameless. I wonder this morning, do you know Him today? And again, the answer is either yes or no. It's not sometime or most of the time. Do you know Him? And do you follow Him? Are you following Him? And then as we look in verse 23... This verse confuses a lot of people because most of the time when a verse or when a sentence, a a phrase starts with the word if, it is presenting some type of conditional clause. It almost looks like when you read this, you're going to only be able to stand holy, faultless, and blameless if you never, ever mess up. That that is not at all what Paul's thought was. When you 
drill this back to the original language. Paul is using verse 23 as an encouragement to these people. He's telling them that he does, in fact, believe that they're going to remain grounded. He believes that they're going to remain steadfast in their faith. He does not believe they're going to be shifted away from the hope of the gospel that they have heard. And if you are truly in Christ this morning, that is also a true statement for you. But now I'm going to tell you, if you have gotten to the point in your life where you're comfortable living with sin in your life and you feel no conviction about that at all, you need to evaluate as to whether or not you truly have a relationship with Jesus. A Christian, someone who is truly saved, will not make the choice to continue in a habitual sin. Will we make mistakes? Yes. But we shouldn't dwell on those. We shouldn't decide to stay there. So I want to challenge you this morning. Take a moment and evaluate whether or not you truly have a relationship with Christ. Paul is encouraging these people. And I want to encourage you this morning. We do have hope in Jesus Christ. We have hope. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing this morning. And as Paul ends this particular verse, he reminds them he's become a servant of it. Whose servant are you? Whose servant are you this morning? Are you like Paul? Would you truly say, I'm a servant of Jesus? I hope that the answer is yes. Now I'm going to switch gears just a moment. And I'll tell you the the scripture that uh, Brother Mark read earlier was perfect because I was going to read it to you today as we talk about this. If For the ones of you who read Baptist News, if you get Kentucky Today uh, delivered to your email, if you read the Western Recorder, if you read Baptist Press, you have heard about the initiative that's just been rolled out through the Southern Baptist Convention that's called Who's Your One? And that is something that we're going to participate in here. And I want to take just a moment to tell you about it and to challenge you. And probably in a month, the next time that I stand in this pulpit to preach, most likely that entire sermon will be devoted to this concept of who's your one. But in a, in a nutshell, what it does, it, it challenges people to engage in gospel conversations with other people. Can you imagine what the situation would be like here? I don't know how many people we've got in the sanctuary this morning, but let's just suppose that however, whatever that number is, that every one of you over the next 12 months focus on only one person that you are certain does not know the Lord. And then you do whatever it takes to bring that person to Jesus. Can you imagine? We wouldn't have room for everybody. Which would be a wonderful thing. A wonderful, wonderful thing. But just like that scripture that Brother Mark read earlier. When those four men brought the paralyzed man to Jesus. One of the things that we don't know is what they had gone through to get him to go. Yeah, they carried him, but what if he had refused to go? 
What if he didn't say yes to start with? What if he had said, that man Jesus can't help me? There is no use in me going. What if he had said, I'm too busy to go? I believe what the situation was. Those four men, they did whatever it took to bring that man to Jesus. Whatever it took. And I think it's interesting when we look at that text that likely the people that kept them from getting the man to Jesus initially were the religious people. Religious people that came to hear Jesus teach. And they were so engulfed in the moment that they didn't even see that there was a need or maybe they didn't care that there was a need for this man to get to Jesus. Would we have stopped there? If I had been one of those people that were carrying the mat, would I have stopped? Would I have been discouraged? If I'm being transparent with you this morning, I probably would have been discouraged. Look at that crowd. There's no way I can get through that. But those four men were willing to do whatever it took. They climbed up on the roof and started taking the roof off to lower this person to Jesus. Now, sometimes we think as preachers that we deal with distractions as we're preaching. But I'll tell you, I've never had a distraction like that. Can you imagine right now if this roof was coming off and you saw a man on a mat being lowered down through this building? Talk about a distraction that would have been one. But again, those four men were willing to do it. And I think it's interesting when you look at that account I bet if you had given that man a one-question survey before he went and you asked him, what's your greatest need? He would have probably told you, I want to walk again. I want to walk again. But that is not what Jesus chose to do to start with. He said, your sins are forgiven. Indicating that our greatest need, no matter what's going on with us physically, our greatest need is to know Jesus. Our greatest need is to know Jesus. So what would it look like over the next 12 months for whoever it is that the Lord places on your heart that you make it really difficult to say, no, I'm not coming? Now, I realize it's a process, but hear me loud and clear this morning. We are talking about the eternal future of people. We are talking about whether or not that person that the Lord places on your heart will spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. Is it not worth our time and effort? Is it not worth our time and effort? You know, probably they're not going to say yes the first time in most of these instances. What would it look like after they've told us no two or three times that I I can't come to church today, I, I forgot it. What would it look like if we showed up in their driveway and called them from their driveway and said, just put your clothes on, come out and get in my car, we're going to church today. Now I realize that some of the examples that I'm giving you are extreme. But again, we've got people that are dying and going to hell. We may have to do something extreme. What would it look like if we gave that person a Bible and said, listen, we're going to read this together over the next year. Here's what I want you to read between now and the next time I meet. How would that look? How would that look? Talk about discipleship. Talking about bringing people to Jesus. Folks, that's what we've got to do. 
We've got to be so concerned with where people are going to spend eternity to the point that it wakes us up at night where we can't sleep. And that's where I pray that we'll get. And as I sort of prepare to close today, uh, one, one day I was driving back from a visit just two or three days ago, and the Lord placed a song on my heart that I had probably not thought of in ten years. And it was one of those things, just the, the very second he put it on my heart, I remembered every word of it. And he made it clear that I was supposed to sing it today near the end of this message. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I, I find it incredibly difficult to sing after I've preached. It's hard, it's hard on my voice. But Jesus said, I didn't ask you if you wanted to. I want you to. And you know, most of the time when we preach a sermon to you, I, I want you to realize that we have to eat it first as we're preparing it. And if you were were taking notes earlier, one of the points that I told you is if we know what's God's will and we deliberately choose not to do it, it's sin, right? It's sin. And honestly, I had a hard time even trying to wrap my mind around how does this song even fit with anything today? And yesterday, the Lord allowed me to understand that, how it, how it fit. Because I really think that one of the things that holds a lot of people back as far as sharing Jesus is that sometimes we experience situations in our life that we don't understand. And as a result, we become bitter to Jesus. We don't understand why that person died. We don't understand why that relationship ended. We don't understand why... Our best friend moved away. And many times we look at that situation as Jesus could have stopped it. Why didn't he? And we become bitter. If that describes you today, I want you to realize that no matter what your past has been like, we need to get to the point in our walk with Christ that we're willing to say, I choose to trust him. I trust to believe that he is sufficient. And I believe I'm at the point where I know that he knows best. So what I want you to do this morning as I sing this is, first of all, pray for me that my voice will get through it. But I want you just to close your eyes and listen to the words of this song and let it speak to you. I want to tell you, this is not the invitation. Uh, When I get through with... With this song, Brother Corey will come um, shortly after that and do the invitation.
It seems that you've forsaken. I wonder, is your love for me still real? Though my friends think I am happy, unaffected by this trial, they can't see the pain I'm hiding just underneath my smile. Master, I can't live this way anymore. So today I make my choice. I choose to believe that you are faithful, that my life is in your hands, and this mystery that I face today is part of a greater I choose not to be discouraged when the sun does not shine through. I have the choice of trusting you. So, Lord, this is what I choose. I know this road I know I'll have my weaker days And Satan will tell me that I don't mean it When I say I'm gonna trust God all the way But that really does not matter I refuse to hear them out with my faith, I have the power to overcome the doubt. Master, I've never felt so strong as when I'm resting in your arms. I choose to believe that you are faithful. That my life is in your hands And this mystery that I face today Is part of a greater plan I choose not to be discouraged When the sun does not shine
I think today, this morning, that there are some people that need to use this opportunity to say, this is the day that I choose Jesus. No matter what has occurred in my life that has caused me to be bitter, from this point forward, it's going to be different. And I am going to follow Jesus. I think there are a number of people here today that need to make that proclamation and that you need to make it public. I also believe that there's people here today that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want you to know that there would be no finer day to make that decision. We're going to do the invitation just a little bit different today. One of the things that the Lord has just burdened our hearts for is maybe we make invitations too difficult. Maybe it's a big deal to walk out publicly when I don't know anybody here, when I perceive that everybody else is perfect. First of all, I want you to know that nobody here is perfect. But sometimes to a lost person, it can sure look like that, even though that is not the image that we seek to portray. So right now, I want to ask everybody to bow their head, please. No looking around whatsoever. If you are here this morning and you do not know for certain that if you took your last breath this moment that your eternity would be in heaven would you make eye contact with me please if you're here this morning And you know that this is the day that you need to choose Jesus and make him truly first place in your life. I want you to get up right now while people still have their heads bowed. And I want you to come forward and pray. You don't have to tell me what you're coming for. That can be between you and Jesus. But if you have a decision, I want you to come today. I want you to come. Come, don't, Don't delay that. Come right now. And then finally, perhaps you're here this morning and you, you've realized that Greensburg Baptist is where the Lord has called you to serve. If that's you today, I want you to feel welcome to come forward at the end, during the invitation. Brother Corey. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.